everybody, this is Robbie, and I have my friend and color guru Juan Savo here on the line because Juan and I were actually just speaking about some other stuff in our lives, and we got to talking about Resolve Color Management, and I mentioned that I was working on an insight for Mixing Light on Resolve Color Management, and we started talking about it, and I got the brilliant idea that, hey, why don't we just record this? And when it comes to color management, uh, Juan is kind of, you know, kind of my sensei about things of this nature. I trust his opinion on it, uh, trust his uh, advice on workflows and so on and so forth. So Juan, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining and agreeing to uh, to do this little mini interview. I appreciate it. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> so Juan, uh, obviously one of the big new features in uh, Resolve 12 is Resolve Color Management. And, uh, sure. you know, I think for the longest time, you know, all of us as Resolve Colors have obviously been used to uh, the default, you know, DaVinci YRGB processing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in the past couple years, ACES has creeped its way into uh, to Resolve. Uh, yep. And now, of course, in Resolve 12, we have this, this new thing, Resolve Color Management or RCM. Um, and, you know, one of the things I think that's confusing to people is, in, you know, and maybe you can put it in your own words, what's the difference between all of these things? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, they all sound, they all sound uh, really uh, confusing and kind of clouded. And I think, I think there's a lot of kind of, um, there's been a lot of buzz about ACES and a lot of people talking about using ACES or how it's, how, uh, how it's beneficial. But uh, when it comes to like recommending it for people, I always, I've, I've always found it very, very difficult to recommend because it can be very tricky to grade, as you know. Like yep, it's, yep. it's a linear light. It's, it's a scene referred uh, format. It's a very, very wide gamut, and so it can. It's also like uh, you have to use EXR files, and you're using like you know, sixteen uh, bit files, and so it's, it, it becomes a very cumbersome workflow. It's spectacular if you're doing like a big budget Hollywood movie with a ton of VFX and you've got 18 or 180 different vendors doing the VFX and you're trying to corral all of them. It's great to have one absolute uh, color space for everything. Um, But when it comes to like real world work, like, you know, that most people are engaged in, it's not the, 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 the cons far outweigh the benefits. The 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 cumbersomeness far outweighs the 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 gain. Yeah, and that's and that's been my experience. It's like I think because of the wide you know the wide gamut the the linearity of it, I just find it to be. I mean, it's cool. I like the idea of a scene referred kind of color management system. But in my own work, you know, grab, uh, grading you know crappy cable television and corporates and politicals and stuff, uh, it's been challenging. The results have been a little less than predictable. And furthermore, I think like you know in the pipeline, the people that I have to deal deal with um you know especially in the the broadcast tv world you know the stuff that i'm doing anyway it's a little bit like what are you talking about an ID, sure. idt odt like they're, they're the things that are a little foreign to people when you're dealing with people working in flame and nuke it's the, that's common sense to them but when you're dealing with with vendors who are working in after effects and illustrator like they're kind of lost by that stuff and and so yeah it becomes a a, a workflow issue so I think the the premise of RCM of Resolve Color Management was really kind of like let's get let's get the parts that are really kind of cool about Aces and put them into a tool that is more versatile and is more useful to people actually doing real work. Yep. Right. So the the one of the coolest things about Aces is the idea of kind of being able to set an input transform for your camera sources and having all your cameras get pretty close right out the bat. So even if you're mixing like log C and maybe like DSLR stuff, maybe some red stuff, you can get them all to play nicely together in ACES pretty uh, straightforwardly. And so I think the result team was like, 
let's let's take that functionality and uh, and make it more versatile. Let's give people more flexibility, and and so we've got what 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 uh, is ver- a version one of Resolve College Management. Really, this sure. is still early days, and so you've got a tool that now lets you kind of um, abstract those things and basically choose want to manipulate it how you want to work with the image and also how you want to display it yeah no absolutely i mean and that's the, that's the thing too i think a lot of people and i'll discuss this here in this insight about you know kind of like somebody said on uh we did a podcast a couple weeks ago and they said well hey i'm getting different results with you know using a lut for say alexa footage than mm-hmm. i am you know getting with resolve color management shouldn't it be kind of the same idea mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things that this workflow definitely does help right because you know anybody can create a lut and you know you know there's just a series of plot points it's not like that that necessarily has to come uh, for, you know, from a manufacturer like an IDT does or something like that. And sure. also, also I find that, you know, um, when you're dealing with different footage and you're trying to get it kind of in the same, you know, vein, you know, the grass is the same green or the, you know, the sky is the same blue, you know, you're going to have vastly different results with different LUTs, uh, you know, even though they're supposed to do the same thing. Um, and in my experience thus far with RCM has been that the results are different than a LUT, but that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just different. And that RCM, it seems like, and I'll get your opinion on this is preserving uh doing a really good job at preserving a lot of image detail without doing things like clipping or you know degrading the image in a way that LUTs some kind sometimes can yeah so what's happening behind the scenes with rcm is it's basically it's basically abstracting the color spaces from from the data right so that you're dealing with you're dealing with data that can be retained through the pipeline, meaning the processing pipeline inside of Resolve. So you can have uh, cameras like an Alexa that has, say, 14 stops of dynamic range and and uh, mix that with other formats and have that camera behave the way, the way it can behave, even if it's mixed in with uh, video footage that will behave in a much more limited way. Um, and, and so the part of that process is really kind of um, making that uh, information separate, like the color information and the intensity information, separate from the basically the timeline and separate from the way you're manipulating the color, which is which is based on what the timeline is set to. Yeah. So let's get into the timeline for a bit, because I think it sure. makes sense that, you know, for you know a lot of new people to Resolve 12, like the, the input color space, even if you're just an editor, right, would make sense. Like, even if you don't get into the technical part about it, like, oh, I can make log footage look normalized. You know, that, that's a good workflow for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But when we start thinking about the timeline, it's this next level of kind of thinking about this pipeline. And the way I've been thinking about it and the way I've explained it here in this insight and see if you agree with this is that there's, you know, sure, there's technical reasons to choose one timeline working space over another another you know larger gamut smaller gamut whatever um but a large part timeline color space is a preference thing right how the controls are going to kind of react and work and how they feel to you is kind of how i've been thinking about it how how would you phrase you know kind of the idea of a timeline color space i get that it's separate from input but how do you go about personally in your own work setting it to something yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I would say that there are two parts to it, right? One is one is the issue of like, what am I mastering to, and what 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 information do I need to preserve, and that's one factor. And then the other factor is like, what are the how how do I want my controls to behave? How do I want my tools to behave, and what what kind of functionality and control am I used to? And I think for a lot of people, uh, colorists in particular, like nowadays we we deal with I think a lot of log footage, and so I think for a lot of people like the feel of working in a log space is 
uh, pretty common. And for some people, the feel of working in a video space is more uh, is is preferable. And so you're, you're, the, 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 the abstraction of that color space, the color management stuff, really kind of lets you pick and choose which one you want to be working in and which, which one feels better to you. Cool. So then the third component of RCM, obviously, is the the output uh, color space that we're choosing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that this is a really interesting thing because it happens a lot, at least in my own projects, where, you know, okay, I think I'm doing something that's just going to end up on TV or, you know, Blu-ray or something like that. And clients come in and go, oh, look, dude, we just got, you know, we got a theatrical distribution and this is going to go, you know, to the theater and DCP and all that kind of stuff. So obviously the first thing I do is call you and say, hey, Juan, can you make this DCP for me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the problems that I've had and I think a lot of people have had in the past is that when you have multiple outputs that you need, you know, Rec. 709 versus P3 or something like that, that kind of color processing can get in color space conversion can get confusing, especially when you start adding in lookup tables and LUTs and that kind of thing. Right. It's really scary also when you don't have the display that supports that look that that space, right? Like right. if you're grading for theatrical and you're working on a computer monitor, you're that's that's scary. Like you're better off not doing that and just grading just grading <laughs> for video and, and delivering that way. Right, right. But like with this color management attraction, you do kind of have that option, right? You have the ability of it's effectively doing what you would do with a LUT if you, if you know, if you're really careful and you know what you're doing, you can, you know, you can LUT and uh, convert one color space to another uh, reliably. But if you don't have the methodology of being able to verify that, like if you don't have the, the display to verify it, then you're, you're, you're kind of left uh, wondering whether or not you did it correctly until you, until you go to show it. Right, right. So this uh, tool gives you a little more reliability in that you could kind of say, Okay, well, I'm gonna use set my timeline to uh, to my uh, you know reference monitor, my 709 reference monitor. I'm going to set my output to my reference monitor, and then at the end, I'm gonna convert it to P3 because I really actually want to show this on P3. And so I'll I'll change the output color space to a P3 color space. And it that what that's effectively doing is what you would have done uh, manually with a lot. It's doing it in a, in a, a, a transform, a color transform mathematically in the processing. Right. So the way that I've been thinking about this is that client comes in, I've done everything, you know, as I've graded everything seven or nine and everything that looks great. And then they go, Oh, Hey Rob, we now need to do a theatrical version. Uh, I've been kind of thinking about this as almost like a trim pass, right? So I've been flipping over new, ver- new versions of shots. Um, yep. and I've been, okay, now let me, let me turn on P3, for example, DCI P3. And obviously yep. that's going to change the way that my viewer looks and all that kind of stuff stuff but now i can kind of visualize at least what that's going to look at make my trims however i need to for p3 and now Mm -hmm. i can simply go back and forth between those two versions switching between my output color space as needed correct that's it yeah and that was the dream with asus right that was the idea with asus like you could grade once and deliver to multiple formats but the reality has been that it's been much more difficult because it's been so complicated and cumbersome. These tools now behave the way you expect them to behave rather than behaving like really weird scene or (laughs) front linear, you know, uh, color space and, and with a huge gamut where you can push things outside of the visible locus. Like that's kind of hard to, that's kind of hard to uh, get your mind around. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So, Juan, one of the things that we've been discussing, and it's kind of my last sort of uh, question for you, is you know when you get into color management pipelines, you'll hear a lot about you know display referred or scene referred, and you know I think we can agree that a system like Aces is really a scene referred system, right? That meaning that you know DaVinci Resolve or the tools that you're using are going to have a heavy hand in kind of determining what the images should look like, right? Sure. Vers- versus something like a display referred 
preferred system where it's kind of up to, I don't know, kind of up to you, the colorist, to determine uh, what looks right. And I have been thinking of RCM kind of more like aces in the sense that, sure, I can make it act, uh, you know, with various combinations of input, timeline, and output, I can make it act like a scene-referred color space. And when you and I had started talking about this, well, you said, well, yeah, Rob, that's true, but it could, depending on how you set it up, it could also be display-referred. Right. Uh, explain, explain what you mean by that. Well, uh, you have, um, if you, you know, the, the, uh, one of the things that's really kind of amazing about the RCM in its current form is like, if you look at the pull down of like available color spaces, mm -hmm. there's a huge, uh, variety of color spaces there. Like, you know, both camera color spaces and, uh, display color spaces, and then also like abstract color spaces yep, yep. and, and color spaces that are absolute and color spaces that are relative. So we have, which are really, I, I would call, I wouldn't even call them color spaces. I would call them color, color encoding formats or color, sure. color yeah. methodology. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's formats like HSV, HSL, YUV, which are all relative uh, spaces like, like YRGB is, which, it mean, which means that they're effectively display referred, right? So you're really, that color space is really, the primaries of that color space are the primaries of what your display is able to show. Yep, absolutely. Um, where, whereas the, there's other color spaces within that pull down that are, uh, absolute color spaces that we, we actually use to do, to do like color math, like to do the actual color. Yeah. Like XYZ or something, right? Exactly. CIE, XYC, yep. CIE lab. Mm -hmm. These are color spaces where the, the color space itself defines the primary. And so it's not even that it's seen referred. It's just an absolute, it's an absolute space within for, for the color to exist within. So a red uh, 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 rather than a red being like a uh, 255 value of red and a 00, zero value of uh, 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 green and blue, a red becomes an absolute color, and it's so it becomes that Coke bottle red is actually the red, not just not just the most saturated red you can get in 709, but it's a specific red. Right. Right. Um, and so that becomes really interesting. So what that allows you to do is basically like by setting your timeline space. You can choose whether you're working in a scene-referred environment or a display-referred environment, yep. depending yep. on which timeline space you're using. Yeah, and I, I mean, also, I think this is a good point to make, you know, to mention that it's not like in any color management system, whether it's ACES or RCM or whatever, it's not like your monitoring doesn't matter anymore, right? I mean, like, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, if uh, if you have a monitor that doesn't support a, a particular output, you know, color space, well, you're potentially complex, uh, you know, making your life pretty complex, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you're not you're not really seeing what the actual images are doing. Sure. But it does like it does give you a little bit of wiggle room having that color management because the color management does know what the what the color is doing. So your final right? render, your final renders and stuff would be fine. You might just not be looking at it in the exact final form. Well, let's assume let's assume you've got a really well calibrated 709 display. You're using Gamma 2.4. You've you know, you have a, a, a colorometer, you research probe, you've mm -hmm. verified it, you know it's spot on, you feel confident that your display is correct and your signal path is correct. Mm -hmm. um, you could have the output set to uh, uh, 709 for monitoring purposes, have a working space that's P3, do your grade under those circumstances, and then and then change the output color space to P3, and all of a sudden you've got a P3 master. Now, is that as... Uh, going to be as spot on on the p3 as your 709 was probably not would it be good would it behoove you to look at that on a p3 display absolutely it would and would it behoove you to work on that theatrically yes but you can get 
pretty close. You can kind of do the thing we were supposed to be able to do with Asus, yeah. which is great on one yeah. display and, and deliver for another display. You Very can cool. start to kind of see where, okay, that might be possible here. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Juan, I, as always, I appreciate your uh, your insight, your knowledge here. I mean, this is something that I think that, um, you know, is pretty complex. And as you said, this is, you know, kind of version 1.0 of RCM. So mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really curious about how a lot of Mixing Light members and other people out there in the world are going to start using RCM. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's pretty exciting times to have this power under our control finally. Oh, totally. I think once you start getting these tools in your hand, there's going to be you're going to the next step starts to kind of crop up and you start thinking about things like, OK, how do I convert from one color yeah, to yeah. another in the middle of my node tree? How can I start to like do these really kind of complicated, tricky things that might and are compelling? You can do some compelling stuff with this. Very cool. Well, everybody, be sure to go and check out Juan on the World Wide Web. You can check him out at it's the the color space or the color dot com. Correct. That's mm-hmm. your that's yeah your yeah with a U. The, yeah, the yeah, British way. The British way. <laughs> uh, you can also check out Juan, of course, on the old Twitter, which is just J underscore Salvo. Is that that's your correct Twitter handle, right? That's it. Okay, and of course, thank you so much, Juan, for joining us here and explaining a little bit more about RCM and color management pipelines in general. And for the rest of you, be sure to check out the rest of this post in the movie below where I dive into setting up Resolve Color Management. So for MixingLight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen, and thanks for listening.